three things that we're going to get to today. Why you should make finances your job, best money apps that you should look into downloading, and how to talk to the kids about money and dating. All of that today on the Seven Figures Podcast. Thank you so much for making time to be here. All right. Think to yourself, what is your irrational fear? What is your biggest insecurity? A side passion of mine is to help up-and-coming podcasters develop their personality. And before we can do that, we have to really dig deep to the core of who they are and what their fears are, their insecurities are. So when we go through this exercise, that's one of the questions that I ask. And almost everyone, if not every single person has on the top of their list, money is their big insecurity and not having enough is their irrational fear. So if you're feeling it too, you're definitely not alone. I mean, I feel it. That's one of the reasons why I do this podcast is to help you feel comfortable about your money, but it's to force myself to stay on top of it because I am terrified of that day that my dad is no longer my safety net. He's the one that my husband and I go to when we have questions. He makes sure that we're not making the wrong mistakes and he's He's making sure that we're educated in what we need to do. And some of you might be there right now. Something may have happened in your life where all of this now falls on your shoulders. Maria Riofrio is here with us today, and she's been through it too. Suddenly, it was all on her, and she successfully navigated through it, and now it is her passion and her mission to help empower and educate others about their money. So before we chat with Maria and invite her in, let's start the show with no dumb questions. CFP at the Harmony Financial Wellness Group at RBC Wealth Management, Erica Cummings joins us for this part of the show. Thank you for doing this with us every week. Absolutely. Love it. You know, if you struggle with saving or budgeting or investing, if some of that stuff is like a chore for you or the investing side of things are a little intimidating, there are some pretty good apps out there to help you, right? Oh, there's tons of them. You can keep up with credit scores. You can track upcoming bill payments. There's apps that will let you know when subscriptions are coming due. So you can actually look to see whether or not you even want them anymore. And I wonder how many people think this too, but when it comes to these apps and you're now, because it's, it's tied to your bank account and your finances, it, yeah. it starts to ask you for personal information. And my fear is that, oh gosh, am I signing up for an app? That's a bogus app. Is this an app that I trust yeah. with my information? So these are 100% not Obviously, everybody can get hacked. Let's put that out there. Yeah. Everybody can hack. We know Target got hacked. We, I mean, let's face it. They're the best companies. Will unfortunately, uh, what you know, with every firewall we put up, there's someone out there that's already thinking of the next one. But these are really, really safe. And what I like about this is, I'm one of those people that really track all of my credit cards because I have been compromised in the past mm. a few times actually, and and. I luckily am one to look quite often, but what's nice is with these apps, you actually consolidate everything in one place. So you can check all of your cards. You can check your credit score. You can see if anything's going on that you did not authorize. And you don't have to worry about, let's say you have three different credit cards. You have a couple of store cards. You don't have to log into each one on a regular basis to see if somebody's 
compromising it in any okay. way. All right. So what's the first app? Then? So the best overall is something called Mint, M-I-N-T. Remember we used to say that word in the 80s? This is like- <laughs> you are totally dating yourself. Yeah, right? I know. I know. Yes, I do remember yeah. though. Yeah, very yes. well. So this is one of those where it's it's kind of all of it in one complete picture. And this is, I, I say this because we, so at RBC, we have something called total wealth. So our clients have something very similar to this, but if you don't work with an advisor or you, know, you don't really have a home base, so to speak, this is a great one because you can link everything in one spot. So you link your credit cards, your debit cards, your you're checking your savings, you can pull your mortgage in, you can pull, you know, your car payments, all of that into one place. And you get a total breakdown of the factors, you know, contributing to your credit score, to your credit health, you can track your investments, you can schedule utility bills, you can schedule things that you manually pay, everything you can do is on this app. And it's really great because you can access it on the app or you can access it on your computer. And I think it gives you the best overall view of your entire financial situation. Okay, the next one is best for debt payoff. So it's called You Need a Budget, but its acronym is YNAB. And it's a personal finance app that's built around what they call their four rules. And it's basically giving every dollar a job. So you essentially go through and you import transactions from your checking account and apply them to each budget category to get an accurate, kind of an accurate picture of your spending. It helps you keep a balanced budget and it helps you kind of figure out where you should be putting those dollars. So which dollars should be going towards paying down a particular debt, which dollars should be going towards savings, which should be going towards kind of fun free spending and necessary spending. So it'll say, let's say you've budgeted for one particular category, if you accidentally overspend, or if you under budgeted for that category, it's going to help keep you balanced. So I have a lot of people that put together a budget, and I know that they're lying to themselves. (laughs) Okay. Well, well yeah, I was just going to say, because sometimes, and I think when COVID first hit, we were all like, oh, is that where my money is going? We really started to comb through our budgets with, you know, a fine tooth comb. And this kind of does it for you, you're saying? Yeah. So you get a detailed report that shows you how your spending is progressing throughout the month and helps you kind of spot places that you can improve. So it'll say to you, oh, really? You only said you're going out and spending $100 a month once we can all go out again. Mm. Then it'll say to you, oh, really, you, you're already a week in and you've gone and spent $200 when you're going out. And so when I have people say, I just don't know where the money's going, this is going to tell you. Um, best for managing subscriptions. Truebill is one that's excellent. I actually use it all the time. So these are the things where you signed up for the 30-day promo and then forgot about it. And you don't even know that you signed up for it or what it even is. You haven't logged into it since you signed up for the promo, but it's dinging your card for $9 a month. And they'll actually cancel the subscription for you if it's possible. So it'll tell you what subscriptions are coming due based on your history. And it'll say to you, you know, this one is coming up. Would you like us to cancel it for you? Or it'll look at your utility bills and say, we think that there's a way for you to save. Would you like us to help you? So it's a way for you to get a hold of some of that, that bleeding that's happening that you don't even realize it's happening. 
Yeah, that's a good one. That I think a lot of people are going to take advantage of. All right, so there you go. Three apps you can look into today. Erica, where can we uh, find you, follow you, and support you? You can find us at HarmonyFinancialWellness.com. We're in Facebook by the same name. I'm on LinkedIn. And you can email me anytime with questions at Erica.Cummings at RBC.com. Perfect. Thanks, Erica. You're welcome. Why you need to make finances your job. Maria Rio Frio joins us next. doing this you're welcome thank you for inviting me it was a real honor certified financial education instructor at first financial security maria rio frio now where are you from i am from ecuador i was born and raised in ecuador okay and you moved here how old were you uh well it was um in 2006 2007, I'm sorry, that I got, after waiting for 12 years, my resident visa applied by my brother. My brother came to the United States more than 40 years ago, and he ended up having a government job. So because when he got a government job, he decided to be, I mean, he had to become a citizen to, to work for the government. And when he did that, uh, he started asking, telling us, you can apply for your resident visa because, I mean, and I will sponsor you. And I was not convinced I had my family in Ecuador. I didn't know that I, that I would really come one day to the United States. And, uh, but he insisted so much that just to get him out of my face. <laughs> Stop nagging me. <laughs> yes, I said, okay, okay, I'll do that. And then 12 years later, and that's, what I say, 12 years later, when the papers were ready, um, I came to the United States. Okay, so now let's talk about your story because, and I think it happens to a lot of us, and this is why we do the podcast, when things feel uncomfortable or we are insecure about something or it's a, too much of a challenge, our lives are all busy, especially if we're moms. Mm -hmm. We got too much going on. The finances tends to be that one thing that women feel like, oh, I don't want to learn it right now. Maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, and we delegate it off. But listening to your story, I think we're all going to have this moment, this aha moment where it's, no, we got to take charge of our own finances, at least get an understanding. Yes, well... And what happened was that um, in, I was married in Ecuador. My husband stayed in Ecuador because he needed to uh, fix, I mean, put together some things. We had a few, I mean, a business and, and, a, and a house that we had to sell and all that. Um, I came first to plant the flag here. And, and um, it, I, I arrived to the United States in July, 2007. And in January 2008, my husband died in a car accident in, in Ecuador. In Ecuador? Yes. Oh. So I received a call, uh, his call telling me a change of plans. I'm going this, this place instead of this other, and I'll call you when I get there. And the next call that I got was to tell me that he had died. So it was, it was very scary. And what you said... It's not that I didn't take the time to talk and to work on my finances. It's that I always thought that that was 
somebody else's um, job. Yeah. That it was not on me. That I didn't. I didn't know how to. I mean, I didn't even think that I was able to do that. But when my husband died and I decided after the funeral to return to the States and take charge of my life, one of the first things that, that, that I realized is that my finances are on me now. Oh my God, it was so scary. It was, I got the chills now telling you because I remember those days when only talking and thinking about money and so incapable that I felt that I thought, mm-mm, I'm not going to be able to. Uh, and and um, I, I, I had, I mean, physical reaction to the thought of money. Yeah. Uh, my my all, hands start sweating. Yeah, I think we're all feeling it right now, actually. You know what I mean? In our mind, we have that safety net person. Whoever that person is for us, we feel like, okay, they're always going to be there and they're going to always make sure that I'm going to be okay. Yes, I, I was really scared now starting in a new country with a new system, not knowing anything, not knowing where to go to ask for questions. And But that, I think that saved me because when you're an adult, you're supposed to know how to manage your money. In my case, I had this big um, shield that was saying, I'm not from here. I don't know anything. I need your help. Mm. And that's how I started. So somebody told me, you have to open a credit card. And I say, okay, but I didn't know. So I went to, the, um, to a bank. I sat down with, in front of a young officer and I told him, I'm sorry to ask you this. I don't know how to, how does a credit card work? I mean, I had my credit card in Ecuador. But here I wanted to know exactly how does yeah. the system work. Yeah. And I'm telling you, that's what saved me. But then see, you have to just trust that you're getting good advice. Yes, exactly. And sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't. Oh. And you're right. Um, but that was, I mean, I, I started like that. But then, of course, I make a lot of mistakes. Because I didn't have credit, it was very hard. I didn't have a credit history, so it was very hard. So I started um, from scratch. Um, I was, at that time, I told you I was uh, in Ecuador. I, I was the director of sales of a company. Then I worked as a teacher. Uh, but here, when I came, they told me the, the recession. I mean, you know, and 2008 was a starting. Oh, gosh, that's right. Bad timing, Maria. <laughs> yes. They told me you're coming in a terrible time. So I said, OK, well, uh, I'm here. I'm going to try. And um, so they told me uh, um, I, I remember an accountant telling me, a certified accountant telling me, I'm nine months looking for a job and I can find one. And I, mm, I said, mm -mm, that's not going to be me because I don't have nine months. I had family members and all that, but I've never felt like I was somebody else's responsibility. So I said, okay, I have to take this bull by the horns. And I said, no. And I said, I'll do anything. And then a lady called me to help her move. And I, and I did it. And then I end up cleaning houses, cleaning offices. And then I decided to become, to become a pet groomer. And I got a certification for a pet grooming school in Florida. Then I moved to Texas where my brother Pablo was, who, who, who sponsored my visa. 
So I moved to his house and he helped me for a few years um, also. And then I end up um, finding a job here in, in um, Atlanta with one of my good uh, classmates. She was a friend from school and she offered me a job because she had a, a, an office here. And that's how I, I end up in Georgia. Okay. Okay. Now, how did you transition to the financial? Because you are a certified financial education instructor. How did yes. we go down that path? Yes. Well, after all those years, I learned how to, but I had a notion of how to, well, I knew how to man, manage my credit card and things like that, but I didn't know for sure. Hmm. So I was, you know, hitting, I mean, throwing arrows without a target. And that is how I felt. Uh, it was blind throwing arrows. Then one day I, I, was, um, I was a student in a flamenco class. And I approached a, a lady and I, we started talking. And she told me that she had this um, company that was working in an initiative to educate women uh, in financial education. And that just made my antennas go directly to her. Uh, so we start talking, and the next next thing is she invited me to her company. To to, she this is a, an insurance company. This is First Financial Security. She invited me to to go and come and, and learn about her company. So I went. But the most important me for thing for the most important thing for me was that she wanted to educate people about finances. And I say I felt so incapable of doing what I've done even now I mean do, making mistakes and yeah. and trying but it was like you know running in a treadmill I never reach anywhere yeah I was leaving and when she said that I said that is my opportunity to learn so we started talking she invited me to the office then a few months later after we talked after she invited me invited me to one of their conventions um, as, as her guest, for me to see her, the culture of her company and what she wanted to accomplish. And then I went there and then the next thing that I knew was that she was offering me a job. I didn't know what exactly was I'm going to do because we just talk about it. And I went to my friend and I say, I have to, uh, I'm leaving. This is my two week notice because I'm leaving. And that was in May 2014. And since then, we started trying to do our own curriculum. We want the initiative to be the giving back to the community, mm. not a, a sales preach. We didn't want our agents that participate. We don't want to be a catcher. We want to be a truth, honest educator. So uh, we chose the curriculum from the National Financial Educators Council because they were pretty independent. They, they didn't have in their back credit card or, or insurance companies or anything. It was educating people. That's good because that's the scary part too. You never know. Like when people give you advice and I don't know if it's just my personality, but I always have like a guard up like, okay, what's the what real advice now? Yeah. Where's the money? Who, what's happening here? Yeah. Yes. And, and of course our company makes money with the agents when they sell insurance. But we wanted the, the initiative to be completely, um, I mean, it has to run along with it because that is our, our main audience. But we want to educate people and we want to give back to the community. 
And then they end up helping me so much because the best way to learn is to teach. Yeah. So um, as, as everything that we do, Debbie Gerliger is the name of this lady that owns the, the company with her husband, Phil Gerliger. And we do first, I mean, we experience first with us. So we got certified with the National Financial Educators Council um, in curriculum. And then we start in the company. We start uh, teaching or, or um, practicing with, our, uh, with the employees of the company. And that had such an impactful result with the, uh, with the employees because, you know, an employee that is worried about how am I going to pay my rent or my mortgage? Yeah, I don't have a budget. I am not managing well my money and, and all that. How can that person be productive? Yeah. So we try with our own employees. We learn a lot of things, teaching. We, we connect with some of the employees, some of the connections that I have from that time. I'm telling you, they are long lasting relationships. And since then we've educated uh, the community of our agents. And um, for example, the Hmong community, uh, we have different groups now the initiative was not only for women because we understood that it was a lot of men that need a lot of information as well in how to manage their money. Is it the men do you feel, and I had this conversation just this weekend, it's funny you brought that up, my husband and I, like even though I think it's universally tough for all of us to admit sometimes when we don't have a good understanding, is it a little bit easier for women to ask the questions? But for guys, is there still, even though it's stereotypical to think this way, is there still a stigma, an ego with men where they feel like they need to just know the answer? It's that that, well, we are raised as with a, with a rescue mentality. Women are raised with a rescue mentality. You know, we, we uh, read the books when, we're, when we are babies. They read to us Cinderella, Snow White, and Epp. All these characters that are rescued by a prince charming. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I think that that is the problem. First of all, we felt that rescue mentality, and they felt that 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 they have to be the rescuers. They have to be prince prince charming, and then they end up putting in on their shoulders such a responsibility. How are they going to accept and say, "Hey, I don't know that. Can you please yeah. explain it to me?" Yeah. And, and as I'm telling you, uh, to, to talk about money is, has such a taboo because we were not taught at school, we were not taught in the house. I mean, at least we don't ha sit down and have the conversation. Mm -hmm. We teach our children our, our financial behavior, but sometimes we're not telling them anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what we want to happen, that there has to be an open conversation. How many students go to college with a pre-approved credit card that they got in the mail so happily without knowing what, is, what it, it takes to manage a credit card in the, on their benefit, not on the benefit of the issuer. Yeah. Or, or, or I mean, they, they, then they end up how many times do we talk to our students to get to, to sit down and talk about student loans before they start clicking in a computer that's going to approve any, any amount of 
of student loan. And then they end up college with a student loan and a credit card loan at the same time or debt. Yeah. And, and they don't know, they are starting. I'm not against education at all. I'm, I'm for education. But what I'm saying is get what you can afford. Wait, I know that when you're 18 or 17, you want to leave the house. And when I talk to, to teenagers, I said, I know, I know that urge. But why don't you wait for two more years? Give yourself two more years to understand, to figure it out, to plan. Just make a plan. Don't just click on a computer because it's that easy. Gosh, I honestly don't think at that age you can wrap your mind around those dollar figures. Yes, I compare the student loans with a mortgage. And I tell them when I'm teaching to, to this, um, this, this group of people, I said, think of a mortgage. Will you go to the bank and sign a mortgage that they will tell you, um, okay, this is the amount. Um, you cannot sell this house. You cannot trade this house. You cannot do anything with it. If you bought a five-room mansion or a two-bedroom apartment, that's it. You got it. And you have to live with it and you just have to pay for it. Would you get that mortgage? They always say, no, of course not. Okay, then that is exactly what you're signing when you don't realize everything that has, I mean, all the ins and outs of a student loan. Just wait and plan and, and have the information. But parents, we take them or we suggest our kids to go to and apply for a student loan without really explaining that. And then there are, there's a lot of people that at 50 years, at 60 years, they are still paying. They're still paying. Loan. Yeah. This is your passion now, to reach out to as many people and educate as many people as you can. I go and I talk to anybody that wants to listen. It can be a stadium a stadium full of people or it can be two or in line at the grocery store anybody want to listen <laughs> i'm telling you that that's how i do i go to the dentist i start talking about it with the nurse with the, the receptionist with everybody i am in line in a grocery store and i start talking to it because i know that we used to say that knowledge is power right yeah I don't think that, no. Uh, well, we've learned that knowledge is not power. It's knowledge plus action that is power because uh -huh. you can have the knowledge and the knowledge is so easy to get because you get in online, you get into the internet and write the word budget and you're going to see 20,000 yeah. ways of doing the budget. Sure. Mine is a call to action. Okay, so it's important to have a budget. Do you have one? Yeah, yeah, I have one in my head. No, 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 that doesn't work. You have to see your numbers. You have to know your numbers to change them. Okay, so are you happy with what you, you're doing? Then forget about it. If not, let's start working on your credit score. Let's start working on your budget. That is the, the, the backbone of your finances. Keep track of your expenses. How many times do you don't realize, you don't realize what happened to your money? Is that what you have the way you want to live? Figuring out what did I do with my income this month, this 10 years, this life? Come on. If you don't take control, then money will take control of you. Yeah, I love that's it. what I say. And that's, that's how we do it. And um, 
we, as I said, we started from home and I've been fortunate to talk to many communities. Um, I was also a trainer of the uh, group of, of uh, an African-American community um, that was working on their, on their community. I've worked uh, work with Vietnamese people. Um, I, am, I am just, as you said, I am in a mission. Why did I have to go through many mistakes to learn what I know. And I know we are all going to make mistakes. I'm still making mistakes with my money, but now I, I understand it. And then because I understand it, it's not painful to open my bank account. Uh, yeah, it doesn't control you anymore. I don't feel that the sweat in my hands, that anxious, that anxious state of mind that I had every time that, oh my God, what am I going to find? I know exactly. Yeah. I have an emergency fund. I know that if I don't have to, uh, I don't have to get ready because I am ready. Yeah. And things that, that life would bring, I know, I know I might, I'm not completely ready and I can still be learning a lot. And I'm still look for um, for information and for education for myself. But that's the key right there. You never can stop learning. Exactly. You can never say I know everything because there's still so much more to learn. Exactly. I know that if I was able to do it, why not everybody else? Yeah, Maria, you are fantastic. We all need a Maria. How can we reach out to you, Maria, if we have questions or want to work with you or want to learn more? Well, you can always give me a call. Well, uh, giving me a call uh, or text me. Uh, You're going to give my... your phone number to everybody? Well, I'm going to I'm going to provide the, the, the office phone number. <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs> but they can call me or leave me a message or, or text me because I, I we, we can receive uh, okay. text. Uh, and the number is 770-870-870. Okay. 1475. Perfect. Or uh, you can always call to First Financial Security in, in Georgia and they will find me. That's the phone number. My direct phone number is the one that I provide. Or my, my email address is Maria, like it's spelled Maria R, the, the first name of my last name, Maria R at firstfinancialsecurity.com. That is the, the com I mean, spelling out all the words. Okay, perfect. And we'll link it in the show notes too. So people can just go right to it and link. Thank Maria, you so much. You are such an angel. Thank you so much. I, as I said, I am so honored that you contact me and I told Debbie and I say, well, I'm going to participate in a podcast. <laughs> this is so new for me, even, even the language barrier was at the beginning, but you know what? I decided they are going to understand me and I am going to talk about it and encourage people to do, to let their, their, their dreams be a lot bigger than their fears. Yeah. Perfectly said. Okay, grab a chair. We're about to take a seat at the kids' table now, talking to our kids about dating and money. Next. Welcome to the kids table. We have founder of Money Savvy Generation, Susan Beecham, is always here at the kids table. Cleaning up after all the kids, Susan. 
<laughs> trying to fit in that tiny little chair. I mean, your kids are all grown up, but I'm sure you do. Uh... It's a lifetime issue. Talking to your kids <laughs> does not stop ever. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. So today, and it was kind of cute because one of our kids was like a little seven-year-old mooch. So he really didn't understand what I was asking him. But we were bringing up the conversation about talking about money when you're dating somebody and when is the right time. So here's what the kids said. When you meet somebody that you like, should you talk about money with them? What are we talking about? Like a friend? No, we're talking about, let's say you go out on a date. (laughs) I've never really thought about that. Um, I wouldn't say the first date because the first date, you don't want to seem like a crazy person (laughs) or you don't want to seem like... Uh, you want to seem more easygoing, I think, on the first date. So you probably will figure it out eventually. When you meet somebody you like, do you talk about money with them? Yeah. Like on a first date? Yeah, for like our house. Oh, yeah? On the first date, you're going to talk about your house? Yeah, so like which house we're getting. Oh, wow. Because like when you get married, you want to like live somewhere. Yeah. So you have to... We'll um, like see how much money we have, and then we'll see if we have enough for a house. If you're dating somebody and you find out they have a lot of debt, does that change anything? I don't think that should change anything because money shouldn't change your mind or anything. It should be how you feel for them, and if they do have debt, you can just help them get out of that debt, and they'll bring you closer. You know, um, money is like the third person in the room. And it's always there. It's you and your partner and money. And so you need to understand where that person is coming from. You need to understand their history. You need to understand how their family handled money. You need to understand what their money goals are. Um, It's an absolutely appropriate topic. Okay, I agree with one of the kids when they said maybe not on the first date. Um, but there are ways that you can gather money information about the person that you're, that's courting you. That is that a word we use anymore? Courting? Uh, I'm not sure, but you can use it. Okay. During the period of, <laughs> during the period of courtship. So, um, you know, you go out on a date. How do you handle the cost of the date? How do they handle um, their financial uh, bills now? Are they living in a one bedroom that's on the 40th floor and and they're spending quite a bit of money to be in that one bedroom? No judgment. I'm not saying you judge it. You just take note of it. Okay, so that kind of looks like maybe what they value, right? They value their living arrangement enough to spend that kind of money. You had two daughters. When did you tell them to start the conversation asking those kind of questions? I think I did it the wrong way. I I didn't um, show them how to ask the questions. I commented myself. Ah. (laughs) Okay, so. And that's like the quickest way to get them to tune you out. So I want you to learn from my mistakes and to have a conversation with them. it it helps them structure their data gathering. So, you know, when you go out, just take note of how this person handles money. Mm -hmm. And 
I think the way to kick it off, Sandy, is to talk about money values that you have as a family. So sit down and you, mom, you write down what your money values are and write them down. And independent of you, ask your partner to write down what their money values are. And then independent of both of you, ask your children what their money values are. Have them write it down. So I did this exercise. I did it spontaneously. It wasn't a strategy that I had planned. We were sitting at a concert and we were waiting for an, an, an incredibly long time when you could go to concerts for the person to show up on stage. And so Amanda, who was 25 at the time, was sitting next to me. And I said to her, um, what are your money values? You know, what's Oh my important? gosh, mom, are you serious? You did that in the middle of a concert? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, as we were waiting for it to begin. You crack me up. <laughs> I know, but you know, it, it, she was sitting next to her intended. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to gather some data. Yeah, she can't get away. Sure. Right. Stuck now, next to you. every once in a while, <laughs> the magic happens. And instead of saying, are you kidding me? Which yeah. could happen. Yeah. She turned to me and she said, well, quality over quantity. So ah. buy something. when you buy something, make sure it's quality. It lasts a long time. Uh, honest to God, as God is my judge, she said, budget for control. So if you want control over your money, you have to budget. She said, don't spend money to show off. Um, invest in experiences, not things. Uh, and then one that was a red flag, once you are comfortable, donate. And then we, then we had like a long conversation of you're never going to be comfortable enough to feel like you can donate. So yeah. just carve out a piece and donate. I think you're saying then that if you have these conversations starting when they're young, it just becomes almost second nature for them to look for a partner who has these same values. You're right. It becomes second nature for them to talk about this. What's yeah. the biggest challenge for people when it comes to money? Talking about money. Yeah. Silence is not golden. If you have this conversation on the third or fourth date and you start to listen to how they emotionally relate to money, to get to how they relate to money values, or even if you give them the opportunity to say, you won't believe what my parents did. My parents wrote down their money values and then they asked me what my money values were. And here's what came out of it. Um, see how that person reacts. Yeah. See if yeah. They, they clam up <laughs> or if they start to have a discussion. Everything you do with your kids is a rehearsal for life and none of it is wasted. So if you sit down and you do this exercise, it gives them the confidence because they've rehearsed it to do it with somebody who's important and enough in their life to spend their lifetime with. I important know. enough not to let money derail the lifetime relationship. All right. Perfect. Susan, how can we find you and follow you? Well, you can follow me at my blog, which is susanbeecham.com. And you can find Money Savvy Generations award-winning products and some free resources at moneysavvy, that's S-A-V-V-Y.com. I hope this is really helping you. If you ever have a question that you want us to answer in No Dumb Questions, just reach out to me. If there's a guest you want me to try to get on the show, let me know. Or if you want to get some advice from Susan, how to start that conversation about money with the kids. This 
show is for you. So you reach out anytime. Before we leave, we have to give a money victory shout out to Jennifer Donato. Waitress for 26 years, she said. Switched recently due to COVID messing that up. So now I'm back in the office. So a career change is her big money victory. Um, And then, you know, I asked her how it's been going. And she says, it's great. Just like riding a tricycle. (laughs) So we raise a glass for you, Jennifer. Congratulations on the new job. Best of luck with everything. And to each and every single one of you who is proud to say you're on your way to being financially confident. Cheers. If you don't mind clicking subscribe and leaving a review, that would be amazing. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.